You're listening to Not Tell Me Something Weird. This is Cool and Unusual Punishment. If you think to yourself, or if you've thought to yourself, oh man, I really enjoyed Tell Me Something Weird. What happened to them from January and then one time in July? Well, what happened was, is we're not doing this show anymore. We had what's called creative differences. And so I thought to myself, I really like the idea of telling weird stories to somebody else. And uh, they telling me weird stories and then we talk about them. And then it was like, I happen to live with somebody who uh, could do that with me. So we're doing a new podcast and this is our first episode. And we're called Cool and Unusual Punishment with Tyler Haas. Hi. Uh, yeah, I uh, uh, I feel like we should establish our our relationship at, at the uh, the top of this. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, just to yeah, put any rumors to rest. Uh, that yes, we are sleeping together. We are. <laughs> we are currently sleeping together. Um, <laughs> And so, we're getting married. Also that. Um yeah, I uh I uh I was very very envious of your show and very uh confused to see it uh to see it go. And um and I thought, well, w- w- what if I could insert myself into this somehow and and uh and here we are. I was thinking that for a long time. Uh also, I feel like I should uh, point out in the interest of full disclosure that the the t- title of our show is uh, from a, a no effect song. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like I have to clear my conscience by pointing it out. Yeah, that this is now the second podcast where you've taken lyrics I've, from a song. Right. Yeah. Just... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, this is our first episode. I already have acknowledged earlier today that first episodes of most anything aren't the best. This is the pilot. Mm-hmm if you might say, but the idea of the show is for, I like true crime. It's not always going to be Wisconsin based, but sometimes you tell me weird things all the time that you find in stories. And how many times have I sent you things and been like, Oh, this would be great for your show. But then it's like, well, it would be great for our show. Right. Yeah. And, uh, in, in regards to this being our pilot episode, I would remind you that Riker doesn't grow the beard until season three. Uh, that's right until until season two or three kramer isn't like a hipster doofus he's just uh kind of an asshole neighbor so it takes time for the characters to mm-hmm. we'll figure out what our respective roles are who's the you know who's the baby face and who's the heel of the show and that'll that'll just come in time anyway um i have something to tell you about would you have something to say? No, I was trying to think of a funnier way to say, tell me something weird. Well, this isn't the full, this, I'm not going to go into my story. Okay. You got a little, a little, uh. Teaser. <laughs> a little nugget. The Ukrainian orphan who is actually maybe an adult has been found in, in, in Indiana. Screenshot. Orphan. This is what the story has. Of course, this is Jezebel.com, a very reliable website. It sounds like you're about to either uh, bully a child or disrespect a adult human being. 
the story of the six-year-old ukrainian orphan who may or may not have actually been a murderous adult has raised many many questions among those fascinated by your case but the most pressing one is definitely where is she now well good news for us natalia has been found and she's living with another family in indiana Natalia Barnett is living with a Christian couple who consider her their teen daughter, as the tabloid put it. But depending on whom you believe, the bubbly baby-faced youngster is either a 16-year-old girl or a 30-year-old sociopath masquerading as a child. Okay, so she was found abandoned. Hold on, can I just jump in? This is the plot of the movie The Orphan, right? I don't know my horror movies too well, but I think... uh, I have not seen that. Is this a, is this an oh, Angelina oh. Jolie joint? Yeah, as all, I think all the movies I bring up are uh, it's the common thread through them all. No, I think that's the uh, yeah. It's like this murderous child, and the twist is you find out it's like a uh, a thirty year old. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, then it. I didn't know are you anything. Reading the synopsis to a movie right now. Well, if it's a true story, that's even. Yeah, crazier, she was so. found abandoned in an apartment 2013 after her former adoptive family, the Barnetts, moved to Canada without her. But contrary to what one may think, the Barnetts didn't abandon Natalia because of her alleged habit of trying to poison their coffee with bleach or standing over them while they were sleeping. They simply concluded she was actually an yeah. adult. They came across her driver's license, and they're like, "I think." It- they, they they concluded she was actually an adult with a rare form of dwarfism posing as a child. And after after helping her come up with a plan to get her life together, they left her behind. So then in enters this Christian family. They applied to become her legal guardians, though they withdrew that petition when the court upheld an earlier ruling that she was born in 1989, not 2003. Even if she's an adult, the man seemed to have determined that they're committed to her. So... Um, I don't know if you can, if left behind is the right term. If you discover she's an adult, it's like, it's like saying you left your roommate behind when you moved out. Like you didn't abandon anyone. Once, once it's an adult, it's, it's two roommates going separate ways. It's not, uh, so this is a classic Benjamin Buttons situation. Right? Isn't that kind of what happened there? Uh, oh, that's a different thing. That was... Yeah, it is magic. <laughs> so this girl had this history, right? And so um, there's a, a friend, a family friend who has this quote. I'm not a doctor or a psychiatrist, but I've spoken with Natalia and I believe her. If you're asking me if I think she's 30, that's ridiculous. Yeah. And it sounded it sounded like you read some point. So another family adopted her, and like yeah. they they believe she's a teenager. Like this doesn't seem like something that you, uh, uh, just like we all agreed on thirteen. And we're comfortable with that. It it feels like it shouldn't be left up to mm-hmm. what each person believes. Seems like there'd be a very easy way to figure this out. Like. Here's, here's, listen to the first comment on this story. Wait, from Chief Queef. Mm-hmm. Wait, is this a thing? 
I once had a 15-year-old boy in my summer class who made me feel uneasy for some reason. I couldn't put my finger on, and he turned out to be a 22-year-old Ukrainian national who'd overstayed his visa and was paying some family to adopt him. He's now in prison on a bunch of charges. (laughs) What the hell? So there's this girl who like also tried to push her family into a fireplace. She tried to poison their coffee. She stood over them while they were. You saw the movie? Yeah. Oh, so these things happen like this in the movie? I mean, we'd have to watch again. I don't know if she's Ukrainian, but it's like, she tries to kill their, their other kid. Uh, and it's like, oh, this this child is so hard to control. And then they, yeah, they find out she's an adult serial killer or something. Oh uh, my god! Well, I, maybe that, this whole story is just based well, that's, on this pretend. That's what I'm wondering about because I feel like there's not follow up in the places yeah. where there needs to be. <laughs> I mean, I just found it on Jezebel, which was on my Facebook feed, and I was like, save. And this could all be fake. So sorry about it. Maybe it's fake. Do you have something to to tell me before? I had one more thing I want I want to read to you, but I'd like for you to tell me a story. So I, I want to tell you the story, and I want to start by saying... Uh, is this your story? <laughs> like, is this what you're going to do? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't prepare supplementary material. I, okay, because I, I was going to tell you about the Lake Mich- Michigan Triangle, but it's fine. We can save that for <laughs> next time. Uh, well, okay. I, I I wanted to say I don't I want to say this to you and any uh tell me something weird listeners who might find their way to this podcast I don't know I didn't listen to every episode of your show so I don't know what stories have been covered I don't know if you or the listeners have heard some of these stories I mean I'm doing a repeat uh so okay I mean I I was I was torn between uh asking like if you've heard this let me know but maybe you shouldn't do that because it'll I don't have anything else if you've heard it so. I apologize if this has been covered already. Um, are you familiar with, uh, do you know what a spite fence is? A spite fence? A spite fence. No. Um, a spite fence uh, uh, refers to a uh, a fence that's... Um, Pull, place for property owners to piss them off? Yeah, it tends to be like a fence that's uh, uncommonly tall. Um, it's used by, like, by one neighbor annoyed by his neighbor you know by his next door neighbor or or in order to piss that person off it's a a fence built to obstruct views like purely out of spite yeah um this maybe actually was covered on our show although i feel like it was more like uh sorry i have to get some whiskey um i think it was something oh well let me hear it so i i want to tell you the story about uh maybe the best spite fence of all time or the worst, depending on whose side you're on. Uh, the year is 1876. Okay, so I see you've listened to enough Tell Me Something Weirds to know that's my absolute favorite decade. Uh, it's, <clears throat> where, it's where, uh, yeah, black and white is just starting to uh, turn to sepia. Uh, it's it's really the best kind of uh, era. In, I in, thought you were uh, going to talk about race relations. <laughs> it's like it's where black uh, and white. We're getting rid of racism. Like, oh, boy. So, 1876, the Transcontinental Railroad has just been built. It has been built by... Uh, the Chinese. By the Chinese, and they'll come back in the story. Um, but the Big Four, uh, as they were called, the four 
um, railroad barons who are kind of responsible for financing yeah, this. Yes. Uh, they were Charles Crocker, Leland Stanford, Collis Potter Huntington, and Mark Hopkins. They, according to the articles I read, referred to themselves as the associates, which is <laughs> kind of lame. They're known publicly as the big four. So they've uh, just completed this railroad. They're rich beyond their wildest dreams. Mm-hmm. And they decide they're going to uh, settle in San Francisco. Uh, this is also around the time, I believe, of, of like the gold rush. California is a hot spot. Um, they decide on this uh, neighborhood in San Francisco at like the top of the highest hill, which would uh, come to be known as Knob Hill. Yeah, I've been there. Okay. And they, uh, so two of these guys, I think Leland uh, Stanford and Mark Hopkins, both build um, enormous mansions on the top of this hill. It is the most bougie thing they could do. They are they are richer than God. This is where they're going to lay their, their claim. And so Charles Crocker, the third of the big four, decides he also wants to be a part of this. So he starts scoping out some land on the top of Knob Hill, and he decides he's going to build his mansion on this entire city block that's where his mansion is going to be and so to go about uh doing this he had he starts uh slowly and sort of quietly buying up all the property on this block and so he's going around uh sort of secretively taking over these properties getting his 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 mansion square and he he runs into a problem in that there's there's one guy who won't sell his house uh his name is nicholas young he's a uh, German immigrant who arrives in the U.S. in 1848. He establishes a mortuary business. Uh, and this was in the 1870s? Uh, what eight, was? Yes, uh, when these mansions yeah. start going up is okay. in the 1870s. Uh, Nicholas Young arrived about 30 years earlier. He He's an undertaker. He builds this small cottage on the top of this hill for his family. And he's been living there for quite a while. And he is the only person on this block who won't sell his house. Uh, Where is it situated on the block? Do you know? It is. It is. Is it in the middle of everything? It is. Uh, not, it's its place will become important a little later. Okay, but it, so it, I it won't is, ask. It is on this block and it is the only place that won't sell. So it is a problem just by virtue of it being on this block. Um, and it's it's. A lot of the articles try to like. It's hard to say who's to blame here. Who is the bad guy? I've definitely not heard the story before. Uh, what a although, relief! So uh, newspaper reports. I'd sworn to not faking it with you, and I didn't want to have to start with the story. Okay, sorry. Uh, newspaper reports at the time said like he was offered three thousand, six thousand, nine thousand. It's unclear how much he was offered, and if he was uh, like, was he being a cheapskate or was he? Uh, stubbornly sticking to his family cottage that he's had. Uh, in any case, he doesn't sell. And in the meantime, while Charles Crocker, while he's trying to buy this land, he starts building the mansion everywhere else on the city block. And that involves uh, leveling off the land to build the mansion on. And that, that means lowering the land. They're blowing it up with dynamite. And some newspaper reports say that Charles Crocker is telling his workers to aim the dynamite blast to throw the rubble onto this guy's house. This uh, reminds me of the person who lives on the Kadat golf course. Is that real? Is that a thing? 
There's a golf course in Kadat when you're going on 29, and there's one house on there. Anyway. I mean, I'm, I started reading the story, and it's like, I know whose side I'm on. Uh, and yeah. It's, it's this poor <laughs> undertaker. Like, yeah. I don't care what his reasons were, but, but this guy who has all this money and can do anything can't get rid of this German immigrant undertaker, and he's throwing dynamite debris at him. He's not moving. What ends up happening is that they level off all the land except for this house, which is now raised up on its own plateau of land because everything else has been leveled off and he's still not selling. Uh, all the dynamite blasts, all the noise, all the construction, he has at this point decided he's planted his flag and he is not moving. And he doesn't have to sell. This isn't an eminent domain situation. Right. Uh, so I'd be miserable, though. I mean, I'm all for this, but also, God, wouldn't it suck to be living there? And so... What happens is Charles Crocker makes goes back to him, makes him another offer, one last offer, and he turns that down as well. And so what Charles Crocker does uh, in, in his frustration is he has his workers, he spends $3,000 to have his workers construct a wooden fence around three sides of this guy's house because his house faces the road. On the other three sides, they build a 40-foot wall all around his house. And so because it's not a it's not a corner lot because it's covered on three sides by this enormous fence, it only gets like 2 hours of sunlight. He's essentially like buried in this in this wall that this guy builds. And and he describes it as as like being at the bottom of a well and they like all his plants die and this and but he's but at this point he's he's just in it. He's ride or die. He's not having a good time, but and, I I get it. But also, this is this isn't how you want to be living. No, but I mean, he it's it's the at this point he's the bravest. Like this guy is, yeah, sticking it to the man like with with his little plot of land, uh, and so the newspapers pick up on this because it's kind of a sight and becomes a sort of tourist attraction. Oops. Uh, they did, they, I'm adjusting. It is decided that the, the spite fence that he's built is legal, but the newspapers write these stories like they're not on Charles Crocker's side. They start describing like this 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 brave little man, and and he's he's just buried under this fence. You know, like how he, tall is the fence again? Forty feet. And I will show you a picture at the end of this, and it is. We'll post it insane. on our Facebook page, which is upcoming. So in the middle of this, he just he's trying to come up with ways he can fight back. Uh, he threatened to install a flagpole that would fly a skull and crossbones, an act of defiance that might help blight Crocker's view. He also wanted to place a coffin on his roof, ostensibly for advertising his business, but clearly to agitate Crocker as well. Uh, the newspapers started writing about this, and they were calling it Crocker's Crime, and criticized the financier for using his immense wealth to bully a family of more modest means. The San Francisco Chronicle later called it, quote, a memorial of malignity and malevolence. Uh, <laughs> so at this point, a, a third party comes in, and they are... It will become clear very quickly that they're not as heroic as they might seem. This... Oh, no. This uh, sort of uh, uh, political... Not, uh, the sort of activist group comes to Nicholas Young's side... 
They're called the Working Man's Party of California. Okay, that sounds like um, a predecessor of any group advertising for any piece of shit. You know what I mean? Uh, Republican Party thing. <laughs> so they, they come to his side because he's this little guy. They're trying to fight against this huge capitalist monster bullying the little guy. Also, uh, they their motto is the Chinese must go. <laughs> so... Okay. Uh, <laughs> the Chinese... So they're they're so... against Charles Crocker because of his wealth and his capitalism, but also because he is uh, uh, bringing in these Chinese... Who are working on the railroad, and there are some heavy racist overtones in their their party's movement. But they decide that that this Nicholas Young is a uh, a guy they can get behind. They can stage rallies for his cause, and they do just that. They go to his his house and they start uh, uh, holding rallies outside the mansion around this guy's house uh, on October twenty ninth, eighteen seventy eight. WPC holds a mass rally on the top of Knob Hill. Uh, they bring lime barrels and set them on fire, and there's, like, thousands of these guys surrounding the mansion, and inside the mansion are these armed guards ready for this riot, and they... Uh, <laughs> this is a mixed message, and, and I understand that, but this is what the, the, the rallying cry was. Their, their oh, no. leader, Dennis, Dennis uh, Kearney, was his name. He says... Sounds Irish. At this rally, quote, When the Chinese question is settled, we can discuss whether it would be better to hang, shoot, or cut the capitalists to pieces. Oh. Uh, he told the crowd that if Crocker didn't remove the spite fence by Thanksgiving Day, Kearney and the WPC would tear it down themselves. However, that, uh, that battle didn't actually take place because two days after that, Kearney wasn't arrested for inciting a riot. Uh, so the, the, his battle never happened. The WC, W, uh, CP or WPC didn't rally two days later or, or on, on the Thanksgiving day. And shortly after that, Young would sell his land to Cracker. However, however, there is a, it's a, it's a sad ending with a good twist. He would sell the land and Cracker would get his mansion. Um, however, just a few years after that happened in 1906, uh, the Great Fire of San Francisco swept through and destroyed the mansion. Uh, today, there's now uh, the Grace Cathedral stands in the spot where his mansion was. And I will show you a picture of, you can't see his house, uh, but the fence in the background there is where... Let me... Let me... <laughs> oh my god. That's awful. It's a... Uh... Yeah, it's a it's a it's the kind of person I wish I could be, if the circumstances Ugh. were a certain way. That with uh, a, a man with no recourse to 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 power at all, like all he can do is not sell his land, and he sticks it out for so long. I have not heard that story. I have heard spite house stories and whatever. I. Personally, feel very happy that the fire happened. Yeah, that's uh, you know, the little man tried his best, and then when he lost, God stepped in and <laughs> swept the capitalists uh, down oh, the hill. Oh, that's what you're gonna go with God stepping in? Yeah, uh, 
well-known communist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, whatever happened to that guy with the little house? Uh, he he sold the property and and that was uh, where he exits the story. I don't know where he went from there. Um, where'd you find this story? Where did you Where did you find this story? I don't want to reveal things like that. I'm good with it. Um, I'm just going back to the first episode of Tell Me Something Weird. I'm going to take each of Eric's stories one by one uh, and fold them into my own and wait till you notice. <laughs> <laughs> I do recall hearing something at some point about some obnoxious thing, but I feel like it was a house or something else. And there was a person right here in Eau Claire that like painted their house pink or purple. At some point when I was an undergrad in college, there was a house on Water Street that was painted a very obnoxious color. I think it's now a house that's currently like a weird wood paneling, if you recall a house. Mm -hmm. At some point, that house was a very obnoxious color. I can't say for sure what color, but the owner just did it as a fuck you. Painted it that color, and I think at some point it became a problem. But you had asked me one day about driving down Water Street in Eau Claire. And as I was driving down, I realized that I think it is mostly shitty rentals mm -hmm. that probably house about four or five people. So four or five people pay $200. They're probably getting a thousand dollars rent a month for pieces of shit houses. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I have no illusions about how college housing works, but I, I always wondered if, if there is like, if you are a landlord of a house that's on Water Street, if there is a, if you're allowed to, to pump up those numbers three hundred percent because like you gotta if you if you got a house on Water Street that's you got you can you can do some sidewalk you know overseeing you can. You just like, hey, we're just playing beer pong in the front yard. We're just yeah, a couple man. Of guys playing beer pong, and you know, action comes to us. <laughs> Saturdays are for the boys. So I'm going to tell you about something that straight up, I'm going to be honest. Um, <laughs> can I tell you about something that nobody else is going to care about? But I'm drunk and I want to tell you about it. Mm -hmm. uh, let me preface this by saying preface this by saying we live together and we live in an apartment complex of sorts and there is we sleep a, in the same bed huh there's a wood there's not wood <laughs> there's a dirt mound in our courtyard that's been dug up by somebody and my neighbor and good friend pam put a hand in it like uh yeah they had uh, dug up some dirt and then when they like yeah. filled the hole back in and leveled it off she put a like halloween prop hand yes in the dirt right well it turns out you'll probably hear over time we have another neighbor who's a major narcissist and i won't get into it right now but she's friends to a neighbor across the courtyard that neighbor across the courtyard has been having a panic attack tonight on account of this pretend hand she thought it was like a real person <laughs> like like anybody is anybody who is gonna bury somebody in a new newly dug mountain of dirt was gonna leave their hand out it's like shut up i i don't know what no. to say well you know it does it sounds like a ridiculous thing to believe but there are 
things that have happened here that are very true that if you told them, you'd be like, well, that doesn't happen. Right. I mean, but it's just funny that this person's been having a freaking... It just had been told to me that there was like a meltdown happening tonight. And I was like, oh, what about? And it's like, oh, it's about this hand coming out of the dirt. And it's like, well, clearly that's pretend, right? I just can't handle this kind of thing. So anyway, I'm going to talk to you. About something that, oh no, I'm stuck on something because I I want to transition smoothly and I can't because it's not going to let me. Okay, I'm going to do it anyway. This is something I talked about in Tell Me Something Weird, which is a podcast I used to do with somebody I used to be friends with. And I'm going to promote it on the Tell Me Something Weird page because I'm an admin and I can do whatever I want. And you this, might have... The show is called Cool and Passive-Aggressive Punishment. <laughs> <laughs> I love the name of our podcast. And I'm sorry, because I'm very drunk. Anyway, this is a story I've done before. And I'm sorry if you've heard it before, everybody. But I love this story. And it's about the bystander effect. And it's about this woman who was murdered in the 60s. And... All of this happened because I happened to be on Netflix one day and it was like suggestions because you have problems with watching a lot of murder things because that is my deal. And I hate that because true crime is like, oh, true crime is the big thing right now. But anyway, I do like it. So this is the story of Kitty Genovese and the bystander effect. And if you don't know what the bystander effect is, do you... Tell me what, yes. the, what you uh, think the, the bystander, bystander effect is the uh, this uh, sociological phenomenon where um, people are are less inclined to um, uh, help out a stranger or somebody around them because there's this assumption that somebody else will do it. People, uh, if if somebody is hurt in public, like people might not call nine one one, they might not call the police or the fire department if if it's needed. If someone sounds like they're in trouble, people think. Well, someone else is going to do that, and so what ends up happening is that nobody does anything. Is that close? That's exactly it. The problem with the bystander effect in this case, which has... Okay, let me let me just talk about the story. You got it exactly right. So Kitty, Kitty Genovese was this girl born in Brooklyn, New York. She was raised Catholic... She was a good girl, but she turned out to not be into dudes in a time when it was not terribly cool to feel that way about guys. So, um, oh my God. Okay. I didn't know this part of the story and I just happened to catch this. After her mother witnessed a murder, they moved to Connecticut so there's no follow-up on that, but apparently Kitty that's Gen... Just, that's just exposition. That's yeah, Kitty like... Genovese, who is oddly significant for a lot of reasons. Her mom witnessed a murder. They moved to Connecticut. Um, she had recently graduated from high school, and she decided to stay in Brooklyn and live with her grandparents. And 
wait okay hold on so the, how, she's how old at this point oh my god well she must be 17 or 18 so her mom is like if i if i see one more murder i'm i'm going i'm gonna do it i'm gonna go to connecticut and guess what here's what's crazy is the last time i covered the story i did not know that kitty genevieve was a lesbian when she was 18 or 19 um she got married and then had the marriage annulled like the same year so okay so we've got this young woman who uh, later in life we become established she's not into guys at all but at some point right after she graduated from high school was like i'm gonna get married i'm gonna live with my grandparents till that happens because at that point they wouldn't be doing what we were doing what we are doing which is living in sin like big time mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway her parents saw one too many murders and uh, that's too bad because <laughs> of what's going to happen. All right. So she starts working, blah, blah, blah. You know, she's young and picking up whatever job she's can. she can. It's late 50s. So there's a huge social shift half- happening in the United States. You know, we're going from... We're evolving into a post-Mad Men world, right? She becomes a bartender. And, oh, she was arrested for bookmaking. And she had been taking bets on horses from bar patrons. Okay. Uh, I have follow-up questions. (laughs) (laughs) I love this. The first of which, bookmaking? Is that a phrase that describes something other than what it sounds like? Yes. And I don't want to click on it, but bookmaking has its own thing on Wikipedia. Bookmaking is a process of by which you are taking, you know, like you are, uh, is it called a, a booker? A, bu- a bookie? Bookie. Say, is that the verb of what a bookie does? Because now they, I'm working at, I, you know, because now I'm a librarian. Yeah, so I was like, it's like she, what do I know? in her house making books? Like, you, that, the law doesn't allow that. Okay, so she was like a bookie. Like, yeah, she was a bookie. Okay. She was, and I'm sure, like, for her, so it she, was. She's bartending, so she's, like, sliding down the bar and being like, boy, like. Have you have you seen number three up here? Oh boy, I would. I that's where I put my money, and then just dips away. <laughs> uh, sure. So she moves. So we've got Kitty, right? Kitty is a cool chick, and she gets arrested with her girlfriend. They're each fined fifty dollars, and she loses her job. So she gets another job at another bar. And so she wanted to open an Italian restaurant. So she starts working a ton. Um, and clearly that's not going to happen. But in any case, they she gets a nicer apartment in this place called the QKEW Gardens. All right. So I know about this story because did I already talk about the witness? Okay, so one day I was bored in, like, what's on Netflix, and I stumbled upon this documentary called The Witness, which was made by Kitty Genovese's brother. Kitty Genovese's brother was interested in this idea of the bystander effect, which at this point, we all, all we know about the bystander effect is what you have said, and we are going to accept that as truth, and Kitty Genovese's case is what created the bystander effect 
incorrectly. So I watched The Witness and saw from the get-go what was wrong with this case, and then I learned the case. So I'm going to tell you about what happened, what the public perception was, and what the truth of it is, okay? So 2.30 in the morning, 1964, Kitty's leaving the bar, okay? That's about 2.30 in the morning. That's about right time to be leaving a bar, right, when you're working the close shift. She drives home. She has a red Fiat, which I already the 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 list of mental notes I'm making for this woman. So she's leaving her bartending job to go home to her girlfriend, her gay lover in the Kew Garden, thinking uh, she she's got a, a a cooked book in her back pocket. She's thinking of Italian restaurants and she's driving a red Fiat. Yeah, don't. If I got all that right, don't find her. I know she's dead, so don't get too attracted to her. I mean, those are all the checked every box. Like, I know I am in front of you, though. Okay, so she's at a traffic light. She wants to turn on to Hoover Avenue, which is a street right by the Kew Gardens. There's a guy named Winston Mosley. He's sitting in a parked car and he sees her doing this. Right. So she gets home around 315. She parks her car. And she's only like 100 feet from her apartment door in an alleyway at the rear of the building. She's walking toward the apartment complex. We have to remember, Mosley, he had followed her home. Of course, she doesn't know. I mean, it's New York City. And even at that time of day, I have to imagine this isn't like driving in Eau Claire at that time of day. There's still probably some traffic, so you wouldn't be like, oh, no, somebody's following me. You're just like, I'm in my Fiat and going to her girlfriend. And this guy fucking just saw her at a stoplight, which is what freaks me out more than anything. Because the idea of just, excuse me, um, uh, random violence is the most terrifying thing. And, you know, I've had a little of that in my family, so... The idea of just randomly deciding, oh, I'm going to pick you. So anyway, he saw her just turn at a stoplight, and that was all. And she gets to her home. She's walking towards her apartment complex. This guy gets out of his vehicle. He parked at a corner bus stop. He has a hunting knife, and he starts following her, right? So he starts to approach her, Kitty, and he... And she runs towards the front of the building and he starts running after her. He overtakes her and he stabs her twice in the back. She screams, oh my God, he stabbed me. Help me. Several neighbors, because this is like a complex kind of like ours where, you know, there's a lot of buildings together. A lot, some people heard her, but not everybody recognized that as a call for help. And I can identify with that here because sometimes I've been outside smoking or whatever with uh, our neighbor, Pam or you or somebody and you'll hear something and you'll be like, what the fuck was that? And then you're like, oh, it's ballplayers in Steinfield or it's a dumpster or, or whatever. So when one of the neighbors shouts at the attacker, let that girl alone. Now you have to realize it's it's early in the morning. It's dark. All they hear is somebody yelling, just commotion. Maybe they looked outside. 
certainly they probably didn't see like stabbing. They just saw something and were like, get away from her, you know? So that guy runs away. Mosley runs away. And so Kitty twice stabbed now. She makes her way to the rear entrance of her building and she's really injured and also out of the way of witnesses, but she's still alive. So people watched this guy get into his car and he drove away and they were like, oh, this is a time when like the idea of just a lover's quarrel was still a real thing. Do you know what we're, I mean we're not by quite that? Out of the Mad Men era, like, yeah. Which you do need to watch. But yes, that's exactly true. There was a time when you would see a guy smack a woman and you'd be like, oh, they're just having a lover's quarrel. And it wasn't like, oh, my God, um, that's a problem. It was more like, oh, those two will figure it out later. You know, I mean, I I can take a guess where the story's headed. So we're very quickly running out of runway to make jokes. But it it it's a bit like you know just a lover like you know the husband like a couple stabbings like that's it's not my place it's not my place to what happens next is my worst fucking nightmare like this is truly my worst nightmare because this guy what I get fixated on oh, I'm get okay I got to move past it. What I get fixated on when I think about the story is the fact that if this was me, like, let's say I'm walking somewhere, blah, 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 and I get stabbed and somebody interferes. They don't really know what they're interfering in because it's early morning. They just hear yelling and somebody yells, let that girl alone. Because, yeah, there was a time when it was like, oh, that that boy is smacking around her around a little too much or whatever and it wasn't i mean i would say if, if the neighbors couldn't 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 see just kind of heard some commotion like the person who just has a cursory s- sort of gestures like well i'll give him a like hey leave that girl alone just uh you know just just in case like that's uh yeah and it's a pretty great thing to do if, nobody really heard her yell what she was yelling right and Oh, okay. I got to get past the nightmare. So there's people are like, okay, he left her alone, whatever. So he gets, he gets away. Kitty is like slowly making her way to her apartment where her girlfriend lives. They have a nice little life. They won't open this Italian restaurant, whatever. This part's my worst nightmare. And this is why I had to do the story again, even though I had done it with tell me something weird. This is a new thing. Okay, he comes back 10 minutes later. He puts a hat on. He searches systematically the parking lot, the train station, and an apartment complex. He eventually finds Kitty, who is barely conscious, and she's lying in a hallway at the back of the building where a locked door has prevented her from going inside. So it would be like us coming home to that outside door when it's actually shut and not just like from warping and whatever open because we have we live in a secured building in quotes lately the door's been open a lot because of the weather and it's kind of warped she had a similar situation her door was not warped that was her only way of her not being able to get in her place because she's been stabbed twice and you might be like oh twice you know 
there's rappers who have been stabbed like 10 times. Well, this was from the back and I'm sure it was in her lungs. You know, it was not a good situation, right? It, that's terrifying. The other terrifying thing is I, I, I can't imagine the kind of person who would, uh, oh do that, God. get chased off and then I know be like, give it 10. I'll do, I'll do a lap around the block. And, uh, and like like the arrogance to come back and then to to be right to think that like I'll probably be fine like that it's it's so bad okay so he's out of the the view of the street and those who have maybe heard or seen any sign of that initial attack those people did not know that was an attack you know, he comes at her again. So this poor woman, this is like, maybe at some point I'll be able to abandon the story, but I saw the documentary. I did it on tell me something weird and now I'm doing it again. The idea that this poor woman was lying there thinking, okay, I'm to this locked door. Maybe somebody at some point is going to open it and I'll get inside and I'll be okay. You know, Somebody will call the ambulance and I'll go to the hospital, whatever. I can't imagine that Kitty was thinking in her head that this guy would come back, but he does. He stabs her a bunch more times. He rapes her. He takes $49 from her and he runs away. These attacks spanned a half hour total. And the knife wounds in her hand suggested that she attempted to, to defend herself from him. So there was a neighbor, her name was Sophia Farrar, you know, like we have a neighbor who maybe didn't even know any of this was going on because she was sleeping, but at some point she opens her door and, you know, maybe she heard the attack that happened subsequently and she holds her in her arms and that's where Kitty dies is being held by this neighbor that had never really known her so records of the earliest calls to the police are unclear and we're not given a high priority because we have no 911 at this point we just have calling the police station the incident occurred four years before 911 would come around one witness said his father called the police after the initial attack and reported that a woman was beat up but got up and was staggering around staggering around a few minutes after the final attack Another witness, Carl Ross, called two friends for advice on what to do, the second of whom called the third friend, who then called the police, who arrived at the scene with the minutes of this call. Kitty was picked up by an ambulance at 4.15 a.m. and died en route to the hospital. So, what happened was, this thing happened, and it was not for New York City a very big story, right? I mean, she was stabbed. I don't know. A lot of people die in New York city and it was a row, you know, it was apartment buildings, just a row. So the New York times two weeks later publishes an article claiming that 38 witnesses saw or heard an attack, but none of them called the police or came to her aid. None. That's like us with our, 
all of our neighbors. It would be like including everybody and saying that nobody did anything. So that incident prompted inquiries into what became known as the bystander effect or the Genovese syndrome. And the murder became a staple of American psychology textbooks for the next four decades. The problem is, so this case became the staple for psych, everything, you know, psych textbooks, whatever, as the idea of what you said about the bystander effect. The problem is, is that it's not true. So as a result of Kitty's murder, that's how the 911 system becomes a thing because of her murder. Eventually, because politics is glacial as far as change, you know, it takes three or four years, but eventually they develop a 911 system in New York and then everybody adopts it. And um, the bystander effect becomes a thing in psychology textbooks. The problem is, is that the bystander effect didn't happen here, but the effects of it still linger and we all know the bystander effect and we don't realize what it's referencing which is the kitty genovese case which was not the bystander effect the new york times decided to write this story in which they cite it as all these neighbors but that's not correct reporters at a competing news organization discovered in 1964 that the article was inconsistent with the facts, but they were unwilling at the time to challenge the New York Times because they were afraid because the New York Times is like... Swings a big dick around town? Yeah, it's like Mark well, it's Zuckerberg. Also, I, I don't you know, know if Zuckerberg, it was a thing You know that... what I mean? It's like, oh, what? I'm going to take on Apple or well, whatever. You also, know? I, I don't know if, if that article was the first to... to suggest the idea or if this was a thing that people could tell you like like the idea of what what the bystander effect is like like that well they just editorialize a story to describe something everybody knows or if like because if if they were the first people to suggest it like well they were very fortunate that they made up something that has been proven out by science since that like yeah Perhaps they didn't interview 38 people and find and, you know, come to these conclusions. But what they were describing is a very real thing. The bystander effect was not I'm um, the bystander effect was not a thing in words before this happened. Okay, And what's crazy is that even though it's been proven to not be what it was, it's persisted in psychology textbooks and such. So what happened was, okay, there was a news organization that was competing in 1964. And I won't get into all of that because this is already going long. But anyway, they were like, wait a minute, this doesn't read correctly. But they didn't want to challenge the editor of the times who was this guy named Abe Rosenthal. And I could get into all of that, but I won't. But in 2007, let's fast forward. There was an article in uh, a journal called The American Psychologist, which found, quote, no evidence for the presence of 38 witnesses or that witnesses observed the murder or that witnesses remained inactive. In 2016, 
we have to remember this was back in the 60s, 64. The New York Times called its own reporting flawed, stating that the original story, quote, grossly exaggerated the number of witnesses and what they had perceived. So did you hear that? I just bumped that. Sorry, everybody. What happened when I watched The Witness was the brother of Kitty Genovese in the midst of all this coming out, wanted to reach out to the neighbors. And if you're familiar with the idea of, of a property being rent controlled in New York city, people can live in the same apartment for literally their whole lives because it's rent controlled, which means their rent doesn't so go up $300 for an apartment. In yes. New York for yeah. 60 years. Yeah. Yeah. So the, there were people who lived there when Kitty was there who were still there just a few years ago, who were still alive. And he wanted to know what they had truly seen and or heard because he wanted to feel assured that the bystander effect in this case was not correct. Right? So that's what I had watched before I researched this. And what he discovered was knocking on doors of, of elderly people who had either not heard it or had called the police. I was going to say, is that like, was the New York Times incorrect in that they just made some assumptions without backing them up? Or would we find out that every neighbor was calling the police and, they, and, and the police force was just not like uh, equipped to, you know, respond to a crime within yeah, half an hour? Yeah, because there was no 911. Right. So what happened was it would be like, somebody calling the police department and saying, Hey, I heard screaming and I don't know what's going on, but it doesn't sound good. And it was just a regular call and it was just documented like a regular call. And so this happened from many of the neighbors who were like, I heard that I called the police. I called the police station. I said I heard something weird and they wrote it down and there was just nothing done about it because there was no 911. So it was like cops in New York City, you know, they've got other shit to deal with, right? I mean... Uh, <sighs> so, well, this is actually really interesting because it... it I'm I'm making an assumption here that the bystander effect was in fact... Uh, studied properly and proven. I'm assuming that's true. The fact that we 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 know it as a term today. Like if if it was based on this and only this, and we like, I, I am I correct in assuming that this is a, a real phenomenon? It's a real phenomenon. The thing that sucks about all of it, but it's it's it was like, based. It, it's based on a a, a, a false thing. But not only that, like, this is the kind of thing that where you would expect this would happen. But, in fact, like, this was an exception in that everybody, like, did the right thing. That's even more fascinating that that. What sucks about the bystander effect is that all of us have accepted it's real. I have never witnessed it personally. But. I mean. Are you, are you, like, uh, we, maybe I'm, have you ever, like, I mean, I guess I, I like just witnessed like, a T-bone accident you, the other day. You, you hear, uh, you hear something, you maybe go outside, you wait for a follow-up, 
yeah like, okay yeah okay that's the thing is because when you describe what what this is to somebody it 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 puts this image in your mind of all these neighbors kind of like crossing their arms and being like fuck that person and that's not really what's happening it's everybody kind of individually deciding like well it's it's probably fine it's not my pro like everyone kind of yeah does does a little bit and it snowballs into it you know yeah and a lot of people did call the police station and just as it is here just like you said you hear something and you're not really sure and you know it the bystander effect should not be based on this case, but it is because that's not what occurred. Like NPR in 2014, there was a book called Kitty Genovese, the murder of the bystanders, the crime that changed America. This guy's name's Kevin cook. He says 38 witnesses. That was the story that came from the police in the New York times. 38 that witnesses. That actually explains a lot. So I was going to say, if if it wasn't the neighbors that were at fault, like what the story is like, I'm not mad if this was the foundation for the this effect, even if it wasn't true. Like that doesn't make me mad. But what does kind of upset me is that it skips over the actual uh, missing link in this chain, it, which was that the police were not responsive enough that it allowed this yeah. guy to come back and 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 also the police wanted to find this guy and they wanted there to be public outcry about it right so what's crazy about the story that this kevin cook from npr did in 2014 over the course of many months of research i wound up finding a document that was a collection of the first interview interviews oddly enough there were 49 witnesses I was puzzled by that until I added up the entries themselves. Some of them were interviews with two or three people who lived in the same apartment. I believed that some harried civil servant gave that number to the police commissioner who gave it to the, gave it to Rosenthal from the New York times. And it, it entered the modern history of America after that. So you must realize that beyond anything, the number of witnesses was inaccurate. You know, we had three people. It'd be like this place has what? 64 units or whatever. And you have to realize that some, there's 6,000 people living here. Yeah. <laughs> Under so, the table. Yeah. Right. So it's like uh, number one, that was super inflated. Half of that is students crammed into tiny apartments. The other half is people who are living in our basement that we haven't discovered yet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, the new, the Chicago Tribune began an article titled justice in the wrong hands by saying 20 years later in the same city, a man known in headlines as the subway vigilante in the death wish, wish gunman shoots four teenage boys in a subway in a disturbing number of voices expressed delight. Miss Genevieve screamed for more than half an hour. The public reaction is disbelief that law enforcement authorities will protect people against street crime and it's display belief that the rule of force is all that is left so there's this lingering idea of oh my god this woman was killed and nobody cared about it and the fact is is that several people fucking and i i have to stop but several people called the police it was not documented or it was documented casually as like, oh, somebody said there was a scream on in Q's Gardens or whatever. And people cared because the brother of Kitty 
when he met with people, they were like, oh, my God, I was asleep. Or, oh, my God, I called the cops because I heard well, that's, something. That's and- what I was wondering. If you're a police responder in New York City, like, and this call is one that gets uh, put in a notebook and filed away. Like, what what are the calls that they take seriously in New York? Is it... Okay. The war- the warriors are passing through. Yeah. Oh, shit, get, get 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 a squad down there. Like, what what are the calls they are taking? If if right, if not this, um, what's really sucked about all of this is the fact that ultimately there was a murder of a woman that wasn't of a terrible amount of interest to anybody, and suddenly it was like, oh, how can we generate some interest in this? And how many? different units are facing kitty's apartment and that means there's 38 units there's 38 bystanders you know whatever and not taking into account that people called the police and all of this stuff and ultimately the bystander effect might be correct it is correct to some extent the bystander effect is not because of kitty genovese which is the cited reason for the bystander effect in psychology psychology textbooks still. And like the list of things that have adopted this, like Perry Mason, Law and Order, the Boondock Saints references Genevieve's murder in the opening credits during the church sermon. History's mysteries, um, investigation discovery, 2015 film which i watched the witness there is a season of girls which is called hello kitty it follows the characters as they navigate through an interactive theatrical version of her murder i there's also a list of literature there's a list of music because on the surface this is a very romantic idea right like the idea oh my god there was this young vibrant woman who was a bartender and a lesbian and not unattractive anyway that was murdered and nobody cared about it you know and that's not exactly true yeah i feel like it's it's the the mistake in this historical like telling doesn't upset me like i feel like i would be upset if i was one of those neighbors like i would probably take it personally uh but it it only upsets me insofar as i imagine some police chief being like yeah 38 neighbors they just i guess uh we're not human beings anymore like but uh, yeah yeah it's 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 a very real thing and that's why people uh tell i don't know if you've heard this but if you're ever a witness at like a some kind of accident if you're if you're the, the first person to uh, run up to somebody who's lying on the ground like they tell you to uh uh point at somebody and say you call 911 because if like if you single someone out they will do it everyone wants to help but if you don't if if you just say someone call 911 everybody will f- assume somebody else does like not because they're bad people but because that it's just human nature uh, yeah, and, and also I feel like I, I was trying to think of a good example, and I, I nothing really came to mind. But I feel like everybody has been in a situation like that where uh, there are there are these unspoken rules of being in public, being in society, where where you you uh, if you're a, a normal, respectful person, you are 
you, you keep to yourself. You don't bother strangers. You, you don't want to make a fuss. Nobody wants to be the person who makes a scene. Mm-hmm. And so when something, ha- something happens, everyone is kind of like, well, I'm not going to. I don't know. A thousand prank shows have have shown this where like uh, some guy comes in for an interview and they just fill the room with smoke and all the other actors in the room don't move. So that person doesn't move like everybody like all it takes is one sociopath to abuse those rules. And like they can walk out of a a department store with a TV and nobody does anything because everyone's like, well, I get no one else is saying anything. So I guess it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's it's a terrifying like loophole in 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 uh like the compassion of humans. <laughs> the assumption that like, well, I don't see uh, sirens, like I don't see panic, so I guess. Yeah. And you know, in the 60s, this was before there was, you know, police scanner apps and Facebook po- Facebook pages devoted to this. So this was a completely different time. And this was Kitty Genovese's case is what inspired New York to adopt a 911 system, which then obviously you are listening to this and thinking to yourself, well, I have 911. Most, I believe everybody has it. And the part of the reason why they have it is because of Kitty Genovese's case. The idea being that people called and said, well, I'm hearing something weird, but it was treated as like, uh, okay, thanks, I'm going to write it down. And the reality of it being that, like, if some of these callers had had 911 at that time, they would have said, I'm hearing things that are very troubling. I think you need to come here. And the police would have come and in that world, maybe Kitty would have survived instead of escaping an attacker the first time, thinking in her head, I'm okay, he's gone, and then he shows up again, which is like the worst nightmare, right? And... She's outside a locked door and he murders her. And so that's part of the, that's a huge reason why 911 is a thing because of this case. So the bystander effect, correct thing, wrong case decided. This guy gets caught, just to tell you. So we've got this guy who I don't even want to say his name because what a piece of shit, but his first name is Winston. Um, but he gets caught because, let's see, I forget. He's arrested for suspected robbery six days after he does this to her. He, he tries to rob a convenience store and and get get shooed away and like 20 minutes later, like, oh, I'll give it another shot. Like, Well, he's got a TV in the back of his car, in the trunk of his car. He's driving a Corvair, which is kind of a hot little car. It's a white Chevy Corvair, which is the kind of car which probably even at that time was like, oh, look at that fucker in that car. We should pull him over because he's no good. So, uh, are, are you sure it's not because it's 1960 <laughs> and his name is Winston? So I'm gonna take a yeah, wild you're right. Guess. Like, yeah, you're right. Got pulled over for other reasons. Yeah, you're right. 
A detective recalls that a white car had been reported by some of the witnesses in Genovese's murder. He informs another detective. They start questioning him. He admits to the murder of Genovese and two other women who, who had been shot and burned to death in their apartment. One of them was shot and burned to death. Another had been killed in her parents' home. One was 15. So he was what's uh, considered a serial killer because once you go over two and there's a certain amount of time, you're a serial killer. So, yeah, that's the bystander effect that never was but is thanks to Kitty Genovese. And if you have Netflix, you should watch The Witness because it's quite sweet because her brother is very dedicated to wanting to connect with these people and really understand what happened versus what he had read. And it's really quite good. So I uh, remember telling you the story when I was walking through a uh, some urban urban park here in Eau Claire. Uh, and I walked past a porta potty and heard uh, the shouting of two people inside a porta potty as I passed it. And one man yelling at another man inside this porta potty saying, like, I told you I didn't want to see you in here again. Uh, and I'll tell you what. If you have it locked, you shouldn't have that problem. I, I mean, so, so many questions arise from it. And I didn't get answers because I put my head down and got the fuck out of there. It's the, the stakes clearly not as high, but, but, uh, like that's on, like, I, my first thought was like, I need to get away from this. I don't want to be, uh, uh, in the perimeter of, of what's about to spill out of this. Uh, I can't blame you. <laughs> I, uh, because you know, when you're in a porter potty, it should be locked. And then it's like, Oh no, what are you people up to? Yeah, it's <laughs> Yeah, it was the it was the uh incredulous tone of like not why are you in this porta potty with me? It was like not again. <laughs> like, oh come on. So then it's like what's going on in there? So anyway, that's my story. So how are we go well, how are we gonna end know, this all, thing? All the, the, tell me something weird shows I've heard. Like your your serial killer stories are they're they're aged long enough that there's a it doesn't feel so heavy and tragic there's because yes i did this other podcast and i don't want to do the quote ray of sunshine because i always sort of hated that name anyway but yeah now you have experienced the heaviness of kind of my stories i i don't like the term ray of sunshine but i i I see the need for it like yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah so like do you have any kind of fun stuff to lift us up at the end of this are you prepared to be uh mayor of of hell michigan on your birthday next year on my 41st birthday 41st uh, you will be mayor of hell michigan for one day are you gonna do it for me uh it's done and uh there's a lot of like t-shirts and uh like koozies and magnets and like shit that comes with it oh my god uh, are you serious i've known about (coughs) i have known about hell michigan since i was in high school like it was a running thing between my best friend before he died eric and i how we wanted desperately to go to 
to go to Hell, Michigan because it's not that it's, far, it's and that we're in Wisconsin. In on the joke. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <sighs> okay, feels like a good surprise to spoil for our first episode. And if you're that into it, yeah, let's we can go to Hell, Michigan. <laughs> um, I had no idea that you did this. So yeah. Okay, well, maybe for our honeymoon, we could go and do some geocaching. Well, not yet. I'm always the mayor. It's supposed to be a surprise, and then I was like, well, eventually I have to tell you, because I want you to be able to prepare for whatever. Uh, but like, you'll get uh, occasional phone calls throughout the day asking you to make decisions. Oh, my God. I want you to be prepared for it. I, I was Googling it, and I saw some Twitter accounts of other people who were mayor for a day, and they were uh, this guy who, like was like he banned radical heterosexuality for uh, in hell michigan <laughs> i want to ban toxic masculinity so that's where we're gonna leave it we're cool and unusual punishment and i mean we don't have anything yet so so bye <laughs>